Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And man, I have an amazing dude on today. His name is Glenn Bill. Um, anyway, I, this guy is amazing. Wait till you hear his story. I can't wait. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, we are back. I have a guy on today, Mr. Glenn Bill. Um, man, I think I think we connected through through um, our mutual buddy Jeffrey Gittimer. I'm I'm pretty sure that's how we connected. And this guy is is pretty amazing. High energy. <laughs> You'll see. He he has a little bit of energy. Um, so I want to welcome Glenn Bill to the show. Glenn, welcome. Hey, Ken, it's great to be with you. Man, so with you, I can't I got, believe it. I got my COVID eyebrows working, I got my head shaved, but I gotta get the eyebrows done next. So <laughs> great to be with you and your fantastic audience. I love watching your uh podcasts and what you're doing on live, and thank you for training me on StreamYard. And, all the great advice you've given me through your course. I took your course, which is wonderful. And uh, it's uh, it's just a pleasure to be here and give back a little bit to the master, to the king of streaming. Hey, I, I appreciate it, dude. So, you know, look, I, I created this show a little over two years ago. And it was, it, you know, the, the thought I had was I want to help people get unstuck. And, and it probably was a little selfish on my part to help me get unstuck, right? Sure. But, you know, I, I, I think that the more that we tell our stories, we can, we can help more and more people. So that's what this is about. It's about your story, about what you've been through, how you've hit those obstacles in life and overcame them and made it anyway. So, sure. Glenn, let's start with telling everybody where you were born and raised. Sure. Well, uh, I was uh, born right in Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, right in a little town inside of Indianapolis called Broad Ripple, which um, I literally live about 10 blocks from where I was born and um, met my wonderful wife when we were in the sixth grade and she lives and still with me and the house about six, seven blocks where she was born. <laughs> so, so like she lives about 10 blocks from me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so it all, you know, it all worked out, but uh, you know what? We haven't ventured very far, but um, becoming a national speaker, uh, we have been fortunate to travel uh, from San Diego to Boston, Massachusetts, and a lot of cities in between uh, to uh, uh, spread our wings. But uh, we are Indianapolis born and bred. We love our city. We love our little village called Broad Ripple Village here in uh, Indiana. And nice. that's where I'm from. Nice. So growing up for you as a, I mean, 
you're you're like me, man. You're a, a Midwestern small town ish um, guy. I mean, Indianapolis isn't a small town, but uh, sounds like you're a suburban suburban guy. Um, but I'm, being from, I'm a city boy. I'm a city boy. Oh, uh, are you? Okay. Public schools, born and raised, all that stuff. Yeah, I'm from okay. the I'm from the so, hood. So, so growing up in the Midwest, though, is a lot different than, say, New York City. <laughs> I mean, right. So we, we kind of in the Midwest, Gettemer's always, always picking on me about this. You know, we, we just like everybody. Like, right. you know, it's just the way it is. So, um, but growing up for you, what was, what was it like for you? Did you have any challenges as a kid that, um, made life different? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I believe every challenge, right. Is an opportunity. Every challenge is, yep. a, is a blessing disguised. Um, I was the youngest of five kids. So, um, you know, when you're the baby of five, that presents challenges that, uh, you know, you got to learn how to get along. You got to learn how to obey. Um, I have great siblings. I love all my siblings. They've been a big reason why I've been who I have become. Um, but yeah, you know, I had, I had to uh, survive and uh, with all inherent things that are with big, large families, um, I also went to public schools and in this time where we talk about Black Lives Matter and do you understand the uh, plight of racism? Uh, you know, I went to through grade school during integration. And so, um, you know, the black kids were brought into us and our neighborhood kids were shipped out to uh, black schools. And I was so fortunate and so blessed uh, I was an athlete since I was young, and we we participated in a place called Tabernacle Recreation, a Presbyterian church that was completely integrated. I mean, the, several teams that I was on, I was a minority, and I consider one of the greatest gifts that I've ever been able to really, you know, feel in my life was the fact that I went to public school for five years, uh, that that I got to have African American friends that there was literally as many blacks as whites uh, in my class. Um, certainly don't know what it's like to walk in their skin for sure. Right. right. Um, but uh, I certainly uh, believe that I have a higher empathy and a higher understanding um, of, uh, you know, what their challenges are and uh, how the world uh, views them and how they're affected. Uh, so not to get in a big race discussion, but, uh, I learned a lot from watching, um, you know, the African-American kids that I played with. And I was I was a jock uh, and that I went to school with those years. So from a very early age, I had a heightened sense of awareness. You know, we celebrated Black History Month. Um, we we memorized Martin Luther King poems, which, you know, you just don't do in right. schools and or and I went to Catholic schools. You know, uh, although it was celebrated, it was celebrated in a different way. It was celebrated. Sure in the homes of my friends. So, you know, those were challenges. Um, and, uh, but those were just great opportunities for me to learn and to open my mind. And, um, yeah, I was, I was a troublemaker. I was, I definitely had ADD. I, uh, had trouble. I wasn't a great student, uh, had trouble paying attention. 
Yeah. And, uh, I wasn't afraid to throw fists on a, uh, on a, on a, on a, uh, parking lot. So <laughs> that is, that's where I want. I always tell people, you know, I come from the street. When I speak, I speak from the street. Uh, I sold from the street when I got into my sales career. Uh, I've just always, you know, sales and attitude is a full contact sport. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I just tend to be fearless in my approach to life. I'm fearlessly be myself and uh, to live my mission. Right. So that's what I do. So so did you did you end up going to going to college? So, uh, yeah, I went to Ball State on a football scholarship. I uh, had a nice. great high school career, which was great. And then uh, went to the Ball State University and was there for a year and a half. And then I just start, decided to have a family pretty young. And that uh, took my life in a new trajectory and uh, forced me to uh, learn new skill sets. Uh, although I think everything in life can be boiled down to football. Um, <laughs> yeah. Go Bucks, Right. And so, uh, you know, the, uh, so that's, you know, I went to college. I uh, worked third shift in a book bindery. I worked at a Mr. Video store. I took college courses and then I started a career in real estate in a commission only real estate field. I actually finished, I actually finished three years of college on that program and I became so successful selling real estate and commission only. Uh, there was only one thing for me to do, and that was to buy the brokerage that I um, worked for, which I did at the age of 23. Wow. And, and built that and sold. So, yeah, I, I mean, I was I, I I killed it in real estate. So, wow, man. So so and this is right out of. Co did you graduate college? No, no, no. I got oh. it, I got my real estate license at the age of 19. Wow. And, um, you know, and then you talk about LGBTQ. Uh, two gay guys, Dusty Asbury and Louis Moreno. I don't even know if they're living. I think Louis might have died from AIDS back in the 80s. They're the ones that I attribute the start of my real estate uh, life to because wow. uh, my wife and I rented a uh, two bed, one bath apartment for $475 and we had our child. And Lewis and Dusty were the ones that rented me the place and they said, you would be a good listing or a good leasing agent. And I began my career leasing uh, apartment homes with Lewis and Dusty and a, a great real estate owner and developer named uh, um, uh, Van Roy, Van Roy Properties. That's where I started my property management business. Wow. Uh, and then at the age, uh, I did that for about a year. And then, you know, at 1920, I got my real estate license and I jumped right into full commission sales. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I've said often that I think every young person in America, probably the world, would benefit more by learning sales, going out, going door to door, selling commission only for probably two years out of high school. That would that would completely change their lives like most. Yeah, that or or the service. Or the service, yeah. Pick one. I'll sell. Right. Yeah. I'll sell. Right. Let's see. Dodge bullets and missiles or go door to door. Right. So 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 you got into real estate young. I don't yeah. I don't think most 19-year-olds are getting their real estate license. Uh, I was the youngest person in a 75-man company, and uh, you know, through 
being a division one football player and through working in a bindery third shift shoveling paper for eight hours yeah because i was young for my class right i graduated from high school at what 17 i played college football at 18 and then you know, that was th that part of my life so i was actually young but i walked into the office and i'm like all i gotta do is wear a suit and tie be nice to people and i'm like you guys think this is hard <laughs> Try three days in the dead of summer. Right. Uh, try shoveling paper in a 110 degree factory. Yeah. Uh, getting up, going to college, uh, then going to work at a Mr. Video store and not sleeping with a wife and kid. You know, when, when we started, I always tell people we started, We our, our income was $11,800. My wife worked in a cafeteria downtown. Wow. Uh, but 11, eight. So when people are like, I just don't know that I can afford kids. I'm like, shit, come on. Get over yourself. Yeah, you can. You'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and you do figure it out. I love, I love hearing these. I don't know, twenty-something married couples that 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 are planning everything out before they have kids, and it's like, dude, you can't plan for that. I promise you. <laughs> there's, there's, and I got, yeah, and you know, I got kids. All thank God they're all employed, but my youngest just ended a job. And I always tell people it's easier to get a job when you have a job. Yep. And so my message to all those uh, young, newly graduated um, college kids is get a freaking job. And yeah. Goes, well, I don't think I want to do that. I said, it doesn't need to be your career job. And then Zig Ziglar used to tell us, you don't have to love your job. You just have to love the way you do your job. <laughs> right. Get a freaking job. And right. Then, what when you have one you build on that so yeah um we're we're working through that and i'm sure he'll be employed very quickly he, he did great he was employed right out of right out of college and then uh, you know after a year things don't work and then you go to the next one so yeah i i think there's a a, a sense in in um in in this country that um you know these uh, a lot of the younger generation they they want to they 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 don't want to go get a job they want to they want to pursue their um heart's desire they want to like i don't want to have to have a job that i hate dude i've had so many jobs that i hated <laughs> like you know it doesn't mean you have to stay there forever but like you got to learn some humility along the way too yeah. You got to get a job and you know what everybody wants. And I, I, I was just interviewed on another show by a millennial and this is what the millennials want. They want to be rich and they want to be famous. That's yes. The biggest thing they want to be. And I'm like, well, okay, shit. That's so do I, but get, <laughs> there's a, formula. there's a formula that, that goes before the equals uh, in that occasion. So, right. uh, but that's, right desire you know of that generation and you know they're that generation has now moved on and i don't even know what they are now jen what are they they were millennials and now they're called i don't even know what they're called now what's the new generation I, I have no idea my nine-year-old daughter said that to me i want to be famous i'm like yeah. well you better you better start doing something that makes you worthy of being famous then yes yeah, well she should take your live stream course Right. <laughs> she could probably teach it, to be honest. So, and Robert Wall says, so true, working at McDonald's makes you more marketable than playing video games. Dude, that is so true. That's our, line, that's our comment and line of the day. I love that. I know. Really good. I know. So, 
baby out. Tweet that one out, man. Yeah, right. That's tweetable. So, so I think, you know, so you, you, you got into real estate, you bought and let, like, that's not a inexpensive venture to buy a brokerage. You're like, you know what? I don't think I just want to be a real estate agent here. I'd like, I'd like to own this place. Well, yeah, that gets down to my first check, right? I got, I sold the property and I got a check, right? For 20 bucks. And Well, I think the check was like $2,100. Wow. And uh, then the check turned into 1,050. And they said, oh no, the house takes half. Mm. Oh, hell, I need to be the house. I'm like, you mean all 75 of these people are paying you half of their fee? So that took me one deal to figure out that I wanted to own my own business, right? And, uh, you know, kudos to them, but I was just plowing away and doing it. So, and, But you were 19 when you got your first real estate check. Uh, actually, I was 20. I just turned 20. Um, I'm trying to think I was July. You know what? I may have been. I may have been 19. 19, 19 20 years old, whatever. Same, yeah. same age. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so by 23, right, you're so, like, I'm buying this. So what happened was uh, two great people, you know, you never know who changed your life. A guy named Tim O'Connor and Steve Decatur um, wanted to buy a, a Century 21 franchise that wasn't huge. Um, and the seller, one of the partners had just passed and we got a no money down deal. Come on in, bring your talent, bring your energy, and let's build this thing. And wow. we, built, we built that from 16 agents and six, I don't know, 600,000 in revenue to 175 agents, three offices, just shy of 10 million in revenue over a 17-year period. And um, that's how I was able to do it. I had two great partners uh, that believed in me to help them. And, um, and then, you know, we rock the house, man. And we were the best place to work in Indianapolis. The fun thing is uh, we were in between the number one company in the, in the world for Century 21 and the number five company in the world for Century 21 and still grew faster than both of them. So wow, we literally planted our flag between, you know, two of the leaders of the industry and, and we rocked it. So it was cool. Dude, that is unbelievable. Wow. wow. That's, you know, when you have fun, you don't worry about who's president and uh, you uh, focus on selling great shit happens. Dude, that that's that's amazing. So this was between the ages of 23 and what? So or do you still own it. 23 and 37. And oh, then, wow. Then one of those competitors um, was kind enough on October 10th. 2007 or it was 2008 right before the crash to make us an offer for all three offices all the real estate and buy us out right before the market crash like uh, a week before the market crash no hello people like glenn you're a genius i'm like no i pray a lot and i'm lucky i mean when it's all said and done but yeah so um i stayed on with that with that guy with his name was mick sheets and tracy hutton at century 21 sheets great people um, I would hate to think what would have happened to our company had we had to go through 08. And I stayed with them uh, for 10 years. 
And um, they, you know, really fostered my speaking career, fostered my real estate training career, uh, did a lot with their people, love everybody at that company. Um, but then, you know, I believe in disruption. I believe that uh, things change. And I uh, hopped off of that uh, franchise train after 31 years to join what is now the fastest real estate growing brokerage in America called EXP Realty. And EXP has 28,000 agents. We're the number one independent brokerage in America. We're a national brokerage. There are no offices. Everything is virtual. And uh, I am helping to grow that company uh, into a 100,000 agent company, um, along with, you know, selling every day and along with, you um, my speaking career and my book career and all that stuff. So I've always managed two or three different careers at once. And, um, and that's, you know, what I'm doing today is helping EXP get to a hundred thousand agents and uh, serving my buyers and sellers that have been with me for 30 years uh, and uh, working on my book and I'm training loan originators and real estate brokers. And then uh, as you know, I uh, do keynote addresses. I'm, I'm considered America's number one attitude keynote address uh, speaker. And I speak on this book I wrote called The ABCs of Attitude. Wow. So people say, how the hell did you do what you did? Well, the answers are right in this book. And if you want to know why you do what you do, right? If you want to know why you make the decisions you make, if you want to know why you don't have any energy, if you want to know why you're not a risk taker, but you want to become something different, then this book's a great start. And then the next thing that you need to do right now is subscribe to the Get Attitude podcast, which we will be dropping today. Uh, my good friend, um, Ken, uh, his, his interview uh, is dropping today in that podcast. And so if you need weekly motivation, like our podcast, the Get Attitude podcast, it's called The Gap. It's everywhere. Just Google it, The Gap with Glenn Bill. You will get stories about people um, learning from where they are to where they wanted to go and from who they are to who they wanted to become and what attitude it took them uh, to evolve, to emerge, to become what they wanted. That is our weekly um that is our weekly give back to the world. And I would encourage everybody that watches this to go to the University of Attitude Facebook page. We have the University of Attitude Facebook page where I'll go live. I posted 35 attitude workout lessons for COVID on that page. You can go through all 35 of those for free. Um, and then if you have a uh, social directive, if you are interested in joining what we call the attitude movement, we're trying to get 1 million people to join the attitude movement. And you can see what that's all about uh, and how to become an attitude ambassador with what we do. So uh, two other great Facebook pages to do. And if you're looking for a keynote speaker, head to Glenville Speaker on Facebook and see what I do uh, from the stage, because that's really my passion. And that's what I love to do is get in front of big audiences and uh, excite them engage them, get inside their hearts, get inside their minds and um, help them understand that they have greatness within them. You don't have to be who you think you are and that there's so much more in each individual that I encounter. And, and that's what we try to do is change the world one attitude at a time. And it all starts with anybody that comes in contact with me. We want to mine the greatness out of their heart, their soul, their gut and their brain. That's what that's what we do. That's awesome, dude.
Thank so, you. So what, you know, so at 37 years old, you, you sold this, this company that you, you bought at 23, mm-hmm. so you four, 14 years in that you sold it one week in 08, you said, right. October, October 10th was our closing date. And I think the market crashed on the 13th or the 11th, if I remember. Dude, that's, that's insane. That's insane. So, so you you um it, you you didn't see that coming though there's no way nobody saw it coming hell no i didn't i mean we i think we all had a sense that oh we're living on this bubble it might burst someday <laughs> yeah i um man I'm, it happened like overnight i'm not a planner i'm a doer and it's worked out for me you know everybody yeah. I, I know there's haters that want to see me fail but um you know what? When the market crashed in 2008, I had my biggest year. We sold 238 pieces of real estate in the worst year of real estate there could be, which gets back to your attitude. See, I don't care what is happening, right? right. I have a keynote speech that's called, um, I hope it gets worse. The 10 reasons you hope things get worse, right? Wow. Sudden done. Explain because- that. What? Why? What? What's? What's the... Well, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a few of them, but number one, when things get worse, it gives you perspective, number one, to become happier with what you have. Number two, your competition is eliminated. Number three, it gives you the ability to create new ways of income. Number four, some of the greatest fortunes were amassed when shit has hit the fan. And uh, if you if you want to learn about the other six, you got to hire me or uh, have your company hire me because the bottom line is it's in times of crisis that champions are created. It's in times of crisis where millionaires are created. It's in times of crisis where our country and the the collective community becomes the most innovative that they can. And it's in times of crisis when social and political and uh, law changes occur, right? So uh, what I'm going to be launching at the University of Attitude, I'm calling five of my best African-American friends um, because personally, you know, Joe Biden is missing an opportunity. I mean, so is Trump, to be honest with you. But like, Joe, how dumb can you be? Like, everybody is clamoring for him to be brilliant and lead. And all he's got to do is do it. And so I was in the shower. I'm like, screw it. I'll lead. And and I think, you know, I've been watching especially what African-American leaders are saying and what President Obama actually wrote was, okay, what's the message? I think we've gotten the attention of the American spirit. Everybody's nervous. And I I really believe everybody is ready to listen. And I think everybody is ready to create the change, but there's not anybody articulating what the change needs to be. And, and But what I hear from the African-American commentators is it is really about police reform. It's about custody reform. It's about imagining yourself as a black man walking down the street and being terrified in your own nation. And, and what policy is there? So on Friday, uh, if I can get my, my people to come on the University of Attitude, I'm going to ask them as an African-American to create with me and, and I have no, you know, I, I shouldn't even be doing it. They will do it. If they could create 10 policy changes, what would those be? And then we'll post them and get them out and see if it doesn't do any good. And so, 
you know what, that would have never, this, what's going to happen with me and my friends Friday would have never happened if all this stuff hadn't gone on. And so that's what's going to happen. Go to the University of Attitude. We're looking at doing it at three o'clock on Friday, provided I can get my guests. And it should be inspiring. It should be memorable. It should be uh, eye-opening. And if anybody that is listening here uh, believes that they have a guest that might be a African-American politician or attorney, that's what I'm really looking for, or entrepreneur or citizen that's been brutalized or pulled over for no reason, I want them. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fishing out invites right now uh, for that group, but I'm really excited what could transpire there. So, yeah, I don't know wow. how to do that, but, you know, that's how I roll because I don't want wow. things. Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, this and again, this this show is all about helping people have a breakthrough about getting unstuck. And I, I think you're right, man. You know, you hear. You, all you have to do is scroll through Facebook for five or 10 minutes and literally all you see are complaints. There's there's everybody pointing out the problem, but nobody is providing a solution on the in the in politics. It's it's just, you know, they're firing missiles at each other instead of, hey, here's a here is a well thought out solution that we can implement and 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 take our country and this world to a, a, a whole different place. Um, and I so I, I love what you're talking about. But so so when you sold that company at 37, let's get back to your story. Yes. <laughs> when you sold the company at 37 years old, did you retire? Oh hell no. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, we put the pedal to the metal, right? I mean, we reinvested. I bought real estate. I I did other things. So yeah. But I had four kids. So I was paying tuition and I was paying off debt. And so um, you know, at that time at 37, you know, I had a 17-year-old going to college and I had three kids in Catholic schools. And, um, you know, so it was, you know, although it was nice, it wasn't like I became a billionaire or anything. Um, and I I focused, what I focused on was, um, everybody said, yeah, yeah, I built my company on public speaking and sales meetings and sales trainings. And not only I, I had two great partners that did that as well. Um, but that was kind of my, what I did. And so then I, I focused, uh, those 17 years I was an owner or 14 years I was an owner for some reason, I kept every single outline of my sales meetings for 14 years. And that's what I turned into the source of sales wow. real estate sales training system, which is 10 hours long, uh, which I do for real estate companies and mortgage companies all across the country. And uh, some of the best content I've ever uh, delivered and created. And it's a 10 CD disc set. Disc set. You can get it at gbunlimited.com. And so I focused on the speaking business. So, uh, you know, for I've been working the speaking business for 13 years. And, you know, just this quarter, I really started this first quarter. I hit some big, big events. I mean, I really started, you know, my momentum, 13 years of work got me to the big stage and the thousand, 2000 person audiences and the lights and, you know, just big, you know, it's what everybody dreams of when they're a speaker, right? To get these gigs. And man, we loaded it up and then COVID hit. So so my, yeah. some of my gigs have postponed. I think we're going to have a fine fourth quarter. But, you know, COVID hit. Yeah. So what did I do? I went to my mentor 
and and um, I said, "Hey, what are you doing?" And Jeffrey Gittimer was on on uh, Facebook every single day, and so you know what, I got my ass on Facebook and I did the attitude workouts, right? Yeah. And so uh, that went great. We got a bigger following, and so you know we are developing content right now that um, is awesome. It's new. That's going to make me a better speaker and that we hope is going to help the world. Wow. Thanks. That's pretty cool, man. So you like there's um, there are a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot of real. Yeah. Two million. There's, there's so many. And, and, and it seems like I mean, there's, there's more and more and more every, every single day. Sure. For somebody, and, and let's just take realtors out of it. Let's say anybody in any kind of a, a, a sales position or starting a new business. What, what. You're freezing up on me. I am. Okay. Yeah. You're good now. Okay. Um, what would you say to somebody that's just getting started? Like, what what would you say to 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 motivate them to you know come out of the the gates on fire? Well, I mean, I think you got to start with the end in mind, right? Mm. So you said, I think on mine, be patient, which I get. But if you do not have belief, if you don't have the attitude, but most importantly, if you don't have the end in mind, some. Yep call that your vision, you will not stay motivated. Yeah. Not, you will not do what it takes. Uh, you, you won't stay late. You won't start early. And so the bottom line is, you know, Oh, I want to open my own store. Well, I, it is it you want to open your own store. Do you want to sell the store that you open for millions of dollars? Right? So many right. people, when they start their business, they don't have the end in mind. And I know that sounds like planning and it is, um, but I call it dreaming, not necessarily planning because I don't care what the how is. I don't, I don't care how you're going to make your dreams come true. I just want to make sure you have a dream. And I think this find your why is a completely overused term that makes me nauseous. Yeah. Uh, just because, you know, all I need is a dream. I mean, yeah, the why can help navigate you. Uh, to uh, create um, anchors and uh, engagement and enthusiasm in your dream. But uh, most people have an innate ability to connect with who they are, what their dream is, and why, why they are here on earth. And that is, that's the deal. Start with the end in mind. And, you know, my end is to be America's uh, number one and greatest motivational speaker in my speaking business. It's to do X amount of millions in units in my sales business. It's to write another book and sell a million copies of that. So, um, you know, shoot big, have your dream and then have it compel and pull you because, you know, we don't we do not set goals for what we get. We set goals for who it makes us become. And uh, when you set high goals, you realize I better change. Yeah. I don't change my goals are never going to happen. And that's, that's, I think the goal's bigger than the house. So for anybody worried and getting caught up in the minutia of how to do things, right. Yeah. It's like, you know, don't do that. So, 
Yeah. So what about, what about the, the middle aged man or woman that's 40, 50, 60 years old that, that, um, maybe may, I, I mean, dude with, this is the, I think we're the same age, right? right? Hold on, I think we're the same age by just a few days. Aren't we? Yeah. By three days. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yours is the 20th. Mine is July 20th. You were July 17th. That is that crazy or what, dude? Insane. So, Insane. so look, the world is, is this is the strangest time ever since I, I've been alive. I know that for sure. sure. And I'm not talking about the riots. I'm not talking, I'm talking about everything. The first time ever that the entire world went on lockdown for the most part. Right. Ever. Like we've never had the entire planet go on lockdown. And and so for the, the person that may be middle-aged right now where life has taken a significant turn, maybe their business just went under, um, we've seen a lot of that. What would you say to that person to... Because, dude, here's the here's the other thing. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. Right. I, I mean, they're at an all-time high, and there are people saying enough of this already, and they're ending their life, and that breaks my heart. Sure. Uh, what do you say to the person that is that life has taken a significantly bad turn for them and their business went under or, or whatever is going on? Um, what do you say to them to help them kind of get a new vision, a new direction and get motivated? So the first thing I usually say to them was how is breakfast? <laughs> okay. And, and you're like, what? So here, here's the statistic nobody talks about, nobody cares about, and nobody feels like uh, is relevant, nor do they want it to be relevant. And I think, Ken, I've, I've, I've talked with you about this, but do you realize how many people die of starvation globally a year? No, I don't know. The number is 9 million. 9 million people freaking wow. starve to death annually. Wow. And so when shit goes wrong and I can't pay rent uh, or I've lost my job or I'm feeling sorry for myself, I always like to ask people, how was breakfast? Because you know what? I, I know a lot of people that are going through tough times, but you know what? They're still managing to have food. And a lot of them still have clothes and a lot of them still have shelter. And a lot of them still live in the greatest country in the world. But when we talk about third world countries and we talk about global starvation, which kills 9 million people a year, um, nobody seems to care. And so I think, you know, to gain perspective for me, I think about people that actually starve to death, right? I mean, right. When, when you don't have food, you don't have anything else. Right. And then all of a sudden, um, then all of a sudden you sit there and you go, okay, well, what do I have? So you feel what you focus on, and um, then it becomes a matter of changing my focus. And so as we know, the great Jeffrey Gittimer has defined attitude, and I think the dictionary did, is it's the way you dedicate yourself to the way you think. Yeah. So the bottom line is, is that for those people who have had financial reversals, life reversals, emotional reversals, mental health reversals, 
the whole key is to change the way you think, right? To yeah. re refocus your mind. And um, that can be done a little bit at a time, but that can also be done listening to the gap. That can be done going to the University of Attitude Facebook page. That can be done following me and watching what I'm doing. That can be go done going to the Attitude Movement and helping me change the world one attitude at a time. So there are sources and there are people out there that, um, you know, seek and you will find. Yep. So it, you know, uh, suicide, right, is the most selfish thing you can do. And that becomes when you become completely self-absorbed and you focus on what you're not getting. And so yeah. that, that's really what happens with suicide. So uh, still horrible, still awful. But, you know, I always say you can't win in life. You can't win in relationships. You can't win in business until you win in your mind first. Uh, and that's what I try to help people to do is to win in their mind. And um, uh, the bottom line is the people you're talking about are not winning in their mind because they're not seeking new information. They're not they don't have a mentor. They're not copying them. And they're yeah. not looking for the grace that is uh, simply floating around them. All you got to do is open your eyes and look for it. Right? it. It comes down to what you were saying, like you've got to have you've got to have goals, man. You got to have, even if you've, and I've lost everything multiple times as an adult. Congratulations. I know. Right. right. And, 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 you know, it's like, you have to, you have to just dig deep. You have to dig deep and find that, that motivation that set a new goal. Well, the, you know, the bottom line is you can't do it alone. A lot of people can't. But the good thing is, is our country and social media has plenty of places for you to go get help. That's right. And so um, quit trying to do it on your own. If you're done and you can't do it on your own, find help. And there's yeah. people that will give it to you. And there's plenty of venues and outlets that can help you. So the Breakthrough Walls podcast, the Breakthrough Walls podcast. Get on here and listen to what people are saying. I've been I've been uh, catching up and listening to your guests. And it's fantastic. Right. I mean, it's yeah. awesome. So uh, thank you for having me on. This is really good. Dude, I, I'm, I'm glad you're here. So what do you think the number one reason? See, I, I see you're, you're getting antsy. This is an hour long show, dude. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. We're not done. I mean, no, I normally it's 45 minutes to an hour. So, um, but the, you know, what do you think the number one thing is that, and the, I'm going to tell you the number one answer is always fear. So every, uh, not every guest, but most people say fear. Um, but what's the number one thing that stops people from achieving? Like if I said to a hundred people, Hey, would you like a million dollars? If I gave it to you, most of them would say, yeah, of course I'll take a million dollars. But, but if, if you say, Hey, can you go out and make a million dollars this year? Most of them are going to say, no, I, I, I can't. Right. Uh, what do you think it is that stops people from achieving their dreams? That, that what, what keeps them stuck? Well, I mean, I think it goes back to what I said. They got no vision for their life, right? Now, the reason they have no vision can vary. But yeah. ultimately, um, where there is no vision, the people will perish. Somebody said that. I'm not sure who it is. Uh, but that's a great leadership lesson. 
Yeah. And, and my number one leadership lesson is this. The most important people and the most important companies and the most important groups and the most important teams, they all need leaders. But you know what? If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead others, period. And so my number one leadership message is you better learn how to lead yourself. And if you had terrible attitude coaches, because that's what I call them, right? We're all born with two attitude coaches and some of them are not very good. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's what we try to get into at the University of Attitude and at the Clarity Summit and the different uh, events that we have is why, you know, who was my leadership coaches and what did they put into my head? How do I, how do I clean that slate? And then how do I recreate the vision for my life, right? How do I recreate my vision that I'm emotionally attached to, that I'm linked to. And so, yeah, the reason that what holds people back is they don't, they don't start with the end in mind. They, they're not living in their vision. They're living in them circumstances. They, they cannot see past their circumstance. They can't see past gas prices. They can't see past a shitty boss. They can't see past a shitty job. They can't see past a horrible relationship. But most of all, they can't see past the person looking at them in the mirror that sucks. And that's where the breakthroughs come. So right. the great Jim Rohn will tell you, right? I'll tell you what's holding you back. It's you is what's holding you back. And you can only go as far as you're willing to learn. And that's why we're on the Breakthrough Podcast, helping people understand the importance of reaching out, finding other mentors, finding other podcasts learning from the masters of personal development. And, and that's what our podcast, the Get Attitude podcast is about, helping you become who you are to who you want to be. See, the right. problem, nobody has trouble identifying who they are. People really have trouble defining who they want to be. When it's that's, all and that, that's my next question is, what, what if somebody doesn't know how to create a vision? Maybe, maybe they worked in a factory for 20 years, knowing every day, this sucks, I hate this. We hear that, right? I, right. I worked in a fact. I worked in a factory out of high school, building cars at Honda for three years, and every single day of my life, I was like, "I can't believe I'm going in to do." And I was making crazy money for 18, 19, 20 years old, but like, I hated it. I mean, I absolutely hated it. So, for the person that maybe spent 20, 30 years in a factory or doing something they hate. What if they don't know how to like create that vision for their, 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 their greater self? Right. They need to come to my clarity summit. <laughs> we help people create that at the clarity summit. Now we had welcome to, to the Glenville pitch fest. Hello! <laughs> uh, but, but I'll tell you what we do with them. And, and I think the easiest question, because people say that, right. And all that is, is a lame excuse. It's a lame excuse. And so a lot of times we'll start that discussion with what with this. If you had $500 million, what would you want to do with your life, right? Uh, and what would you want to do to affect other people? And then it gets into um, if money weren't an issue, what are the things that you like to do the most? And, and we always know this. It's, it's an inherent human instinct and ability that everybody wishes to help 
and influence others. I mean, and, and whatever way it is. So if you can yeah. get them thinking about others instead of themselves, then that vision and that dream comes true. Uh, look at there's been very few people who are completely self-centered, who help no one else, who has become extremely successful. Um, that just doesn't happen. It, it, it's, it doesn't work. And people go, oh, Donald Trump, he didn't care about anybody except himself. Well, unfortunately, whether you like him or hate him, and I don't care, and this isn't political, obviously, he helped a lot of people. Uh, he, he, uh, they said he's a terrible leader. I said, well, he got 40 million people to vote for him. And I, <laughs> this comparison, right? Hitler's a horrible person, but he was an unreal leader. He got a lot of people to do things that were completely atrocious and horrible. And I don't condone it, but it, yeah. when it comes to leadership, it's like, so what is your influence and how many people can you get to follow you? Right. And yes, are there leaders that are horrible leaders that bring people down the wrong path and cause destruction? Absolutely. Yeah. They're still leaders nonetheless. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. So if I, um, if I, if I, if, if let's say somebody called you today and said, Hey man, um, you know, I've told this story before, Glenn, I had, when my wife and I opened our first office, years and years ago it was back around the 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 couple of years after the crash so 2009 2010 we opened up an office and um i had a bunch of employees and things were going really well at one point and then they started taking a slide i had a guy walk in my office an employee said hey boss um there's some dude looking in the windows of your SUV out in the parking lot. And I said, well, tell him to get the hell out of here. And he said, well, I would, but he has it blocked with his tow truck. <laughs> I was like, oh, sh no, he was there to pick it up because apparently the bank likes it when you make your payments. And, and so it was a humiliating day. And, and, you know, everybody else was getting paid except for me. And, and, you know, to the person who maybe has recently had their car repossessed, their electric may be getting shut off, things are going bad, and they call you and say, man, I don't know which way to turn. I, I It's just not working out for me. No matter how hard I try, what's the first thing you're going to say to that person? Well, uh, usually that's followed up with, can I have a loan? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And a lot of people call and ask for money. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, and so um, the first thing I would say to that, you know, to that person is, as I said before, how is breakfast? Yeah, exactly. Did you eat today? And you know what they always say? Yeah, I did eat. Okay, well, that's good. Hey, well, there's one good thing that's happened. And so what I immediately do is what's called a pattern interrupt, which is an NLP technique. Yeah. Uh, to get them thinking about something different. See, um, the, the problem with people that get their car repossessed and the problem with people that can't get a job and the problem with people that can't, which I don't even allow myself to say, is because they become completely obsessively focused on what they can't have. Right. What they don't have. And so it becomes a state of mind. Then it becomes an identity. Then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I am not a licensed mental health counselor. Let me say that first. But right. the first thing I do is I 
do a pattern interrupt and I start going on, how was breakfast? Do you have clothes on? Do you have shelter? Are you healthy? Can you walk? Can you breathe? Do you need to go to the hospital? And they're going, no, I can walk and I do have clothes. I'm like, okay. So here's the thing that's great is even though it's not glorious, there's a lot of people hiring and you can walk somewhere. Yep. And, and do you need a shower? You can borrow a shower and let's get you in front. And so what I try to do is I try to get them to do what's called incremental achievement. And yep. I try to get them small step successing. And so uh, sometimes it's shower, shave, cut your hair and get dressed and then come back and let me take a look at you. And by simply right. changing their physical appearance, things start to change. Right. Um, and, and so look at there's rags to riches stories all over and they're going on right now. And there's yep. no reason that somebody like there uh, can't do the same thing. So the last thing I do is focus on their circumstance and I instantly get them focusing on a new vision and incremental stair step achievement. Love it, dude. Love it. Thank you. University of Attitude is the Facebook page. Make sure you go over there. Glenbill.com. That's your website. Uh, well, we got universityofattitude.com. Glenbill.com is good too. But University of Attitude, where you get a lot of the attitude stuff and the gap and all that's on there. Universityofattitude.com. Yes. Yep. yep. That's amazing that you you have that. that I know. That's I know. awesome, dude. Crazy. Yeah. And Bill, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you. If you would hang tight for me, I'm going to, I'm going to end the, the live stream, but I want to take us out and I want to chat with you real quick. So thank you for being a guest on the show today, man. You rock. You're awesome. Uh, thank you, Ken. And thanks everybody who signed in. I really appreciate you giving me 43 minutes of your life. I hope it was an investment worth making, and I hope to see and meet you all soon. Thank you. Thanks again, Glenn. All right.